right, all right. Welcome to the Transportation and Logistics Podcast, powered by Atlanta Dispatch and Humble Bee Enterprises. I'm very excited to be here with a special guest. We have Cody Hammer of Tithe Incorporated. And before we begin, you know, I'm a little bit late with this one, um, but I definitely wanted to mention it that the Furniture Bank of Atlanta is accepting applications for their employment program until this Friday. I know that we've spoken a lot, right? But I don't know if I ever asked you the question of how you got into logistics. Um, like, so, so what was that like coming out of, you know, schooling and doing what you were doing? How did you actually find logistics? Yeah, man, great question. Taking me back here. Um, so, yeah, coming out of college, you know, I was uh, from Omaha, Nebraska. And, um, you know, one of the, the big corporations there that, you know, I was kind of aspiring to work for was Union Pacific Railroad and uh, ended up getting a job with them, worked there for about five years. And Schneider was one of my clients there at UP and uh, made some really good connections there. And once they caught wind that I was looking to make a change and possibly even making a move, uh, they had quickly contacted me and asked me to work out of their brokerage office in Chicago. So um, kind of took a chance, packed up and moved out to Chicago from Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, started in the in the brokerage game. So the rest is all history from there, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. What was that like? I mean, because I uh, I've never been, but I'd imagine it's a, it's a it's a stark difference between Omaha and Chicago. Was that a smooth transition? Yeah, no doubt, man. It, it was a good transition for sure, but uh, it it was a change of pace to say the <laughs> least. I mean, Omaha is not a small city by any means, but uh, it's not Chicago. You know what I mean? So. Um, it, it was good. I enjoyed my time there. I'd be lying if I said I'd I'd be hurrying to move back. I, I love Tennessee. The South has uh, really grabbed my heart. But yeah, man, it, it was good. It, it was a good experience for me, for sure. Right. No, it's a, you're in a perfect spot, man, uh, to be in, in freight sales. I mean, is it considered freight sales when you're on the tech side of things? Uh, we we kind of consider ourselves freight tech if you will, okay. uh, but still obviously very intertwined with the freight industry. So, Right, right. So Freight Alley being there in Chattanooga, you know, it seems like you're positioned uh, in, a, in a great place to do what you're doing. And I, I mentioned that you started, um, you know, we got introduced as you being an account executive uh for sonar the sonar platform so selling that to fleet owners and probably even brokerage operations um and now you are an account executive on the tithe side of things and before we get into tithe you know is there like why why sales is there a reason in your career right now that you wanted to focus on sales versus anything else yeah, so great question. Um, that really started from my days at Union Pacific. I've always known that I wanted to be in sales. You know, I like to consider myself a hard worker. And uh, the idea of getting paid on your output, uh, you know, really attracted me. And financial goals and objectives aside, I think there's something really powerful and intriguing about finding a solution that really matters and can make a difference to people and 
offering that and prescribing that in a way that can truly help an organization. You know, I mean, that that thrill and that uh, grind of sales is something that I always knew I would like. And once I got into it, then it's it's addicting. I just I couldn't let it go. Right, right, right. Do you feel like you uh, anything in particular from your experience selling sonar that kind of prepped you for uh, this new role? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm incredibly thankful for my time at Freight Waves. Uh, you know, we had some world-class sales training there, <clears throat> you know, going from a transactional sale in nature, if you will, and selling truckloads and stuff like that. While there is strategic, you know, a, a strategic nature to it, it's a little more transactional by nature and uh, switching over to a software sale type of environment was a big change. And FreightWaves did a great job of training us and grooming us and developing us as true sales professionals and understanding how to you know, put ourselves in our prospect's shoes and our client's shoes and understand really what they need and prescribe a solution that would meet those needs. Um, I mean, I, I can wholeheartedly say that I probably wouldn't even have this job at Tive had it not been for all the training development that I received at FreightWaves. No, I feel it, man. I feel it. And that's exactly how I feel about my, just to make sure the folks who are listening in uh, gets a good understanding. Like, what are the largest areas within the visibility space that Tive is providing solutions? Like, let's talk about it from top and bottom. Absolutely. And sorry if I, I pop on a mute real quick. It's because I'm coughing. I'm battling a cold here. But, um, yeah, Tive, in short, is is a uh, end-to-end visibility provider, right? And we're approaching the visibility space in, in a unique way in that, you know, we're, we're tracking the freight itself, right? Not a driver, not a truck. Uh, so we manufacture and provide tracking devices that are about the size of a deck of cards uh, that you would actually put on the freight or inside the trailer itself, right? Uh, and these devices are tracking location the location comes from both uh, 5g cellular connectivity wi-fi triangulation and gps and then we're also tracking condition data along the way as well so temperature humidity light and shock um you know so a lot of the things that people are trying to solve for when they look to a visibility provider like tive is <clears throat> obviously understanding where their freight is, right? Uh, hyper accurate location, all of it being provided in real time. Um, that's really powerful information and, and not having to rely on a driver connecting to an app on their phone or opting into some type of tracking mechanism. It really fills the gaps uh, that we're seeing throughout the visibility space today. You know, right. and then, you know, you get into some of that sensor data, obviously with food and anything perishable or sensitive to temperature and humidity allows the users to understand in real time when that shipment may be breaching a threshold that could put the product in, in danger of being damaged or spoiled. Uh, obviously a huge help with claims. Uh, you know, anybody here that has been involved in a claim 
knows how painful and sometimes even expensive of a process that can be. Um, you know, we do a lot in like the high value space, you know, obviously theft is a major concern throughout the supply chain space today. And so the light sensor on the device really helps the user understand, you know, are trailer doors being opened when they shouldn't be, or even boxes being opened when they shouldn't be. And, uh, you know, helping you understand in real time when theft could potentially be occurring. And then finally, with anything, you know, sensitive to breakage or damages, you know, the accelerometer in the device is going to notify the user in real time of any type of substantial shock events, right? Did the, did the pallet get, uh, you know, dropped while it was being loaded? Uh, did it get messed up when it was being unloaded? Or did the driver, you know, slam on their brakes or, or heaven forbid, get in an accident in transit? You know, it, it kind of unveils the curtain of truth, if you will, in terms of what actually went down during the transit of the shipment. Right, right, man. Well, I appreciate you for that overview. It was packed with a lot of stuff that I do want to break down a little bit further. Um, just to start with, you know, you said that you're able to get the data from 5G, from Wi-Fi, and, uh, you know, even GPS. Like, why, why do you feel like it's important to have this redundancy in the way that you're tracking the freight? Yeah, so, you know, it's it's important to have those several methods of location collection simply due to, you know, improved accuracy, right? I mean, there's areas in the, in the country, in the world, this is a global solution, uh, but there's, you know, areas throughout the world where it's it's tough to get a cellular connection, right? And so we can lean on that GPS for the satellite connectivity and a little more accurate of a signal. Um, you know, the 5G where we were one of the first to mark, we were the first to market with a non-lithium device that had a 5G connection. Um, you know, so it, it just allows the device to have other methods of location capture to fall back on if it is in, for some reason, an area of the country that it can't connect to one of those three methods. Got you. Now, that, that I hear you, man. That redundancy is huge when it comes to uh, making sure, you know, all the visibility isn't lost because customers need that. They, they, they require it at this point. At one time, let's just say 18 months ago, the trend was uh, customers, shippers, and manufacturers uh, I know that I hear you saying that you want this data, but why do you even need to be connected 100%, you know, uh, but now that's, it, it, there is no discussion. Like that has to be uh, an offering to win a lot of the business. So um, I hear you there, brother. And you mentioned, again, you mentioned uh, a lot of the functionalities of Tithe and why it's important. All right. So let's go into some of those case studies, those use cases where, you have the sensor in the back is able to read the environment, humidity levels, temperature. Do you have any studies that talk specifically to that? Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, in the perishable space, um, we, we've got several case studies and examples of people that, uh, you know, are, are leveraging the Tive device and the visibility solution for their business. Um, I think one good one could be Alpine Fresh. 
uh, Alpine Freshes, using our real-time devices for definitely uh, location, but as well as, you know, all of the sensor data that comes along with the device. Um, you know, they were really struggling with big gaps in visibility throughout their supply chain. Um, as you can imagine, for anybody in the food and produce space, spoilage and rejected loads is, is just a massive, very costly concern of these companies, right? And where they struggle a lot of times is A, like understanding what happened in transit so that they can resolve these claims in a timely manner, in a financially uh, uh, responsible manner as well. But more importantly, being able to take the action in real time to resolve the issue so that, you know, these shipments aren't showing up spoiled or damaged to begin with, right? I mean, from a sustainability standpoint, you know, food spoilage is, is something that we are really trying to, uh, to reduce and something that we take very seriously. Um, I think we're, we're very blessed as a country uh, and, and, you know, trying to avoid as much sp food spoilage as possible is a huge initiative of ours. So Alpine Fresh has been utilizing the, the system. Um, you know, I, I, we had a $90,000 shipment uh, of asparagus uh, detect, you know, a temperature fluctuation while in transit. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we we're able to uh, see that the temperature got too hot while in transit. The driver is able to pull over, get their reefer unit running consistently again and, and save the load. Right. I mean, those are things that, you know, you're not going to know about until that driver shows up with a $90,000 shipment, you know, completely spoiled. So, you know, they've been a great customer of ours and uh, we're, we're partnering with people like that all the time, as well as the logistics providers moving that freight. Right, right. Look, talk about how the driver of that load was actually uh, notified that the temperature had increased and that there needed to be some type of change in order to mitigate what could be a spoiled load? Yeah, good question. So there's really like two main ways that that can happen. So we, we get alerts set up, uh, you know, which can be completely customized. The alerts can be based on temperature, any of the sensor data that we capture, as well as a ton of different location-based alerts. Uh, but in this particular instance, uh, you know, the alert was actually sent to our managed services team. So we do have a separate team called our managed services group. And they will, you know, manage and monitor the shipments in real time, 24-7 around the clock on behalf of our clients. And so they received the temperature alert. We're able to reach out to the driver themselves based on the SOP that they customized with the client, advise the driver to pull over and check their, their unit, and we're able to save the shipment. Um, you know, we've got other clients that want to, to manage that and receive their alerts themselves, and that's completely fine. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Man, this right here uh, makes me think of how beneficial it would have been over the last well, since the start of May, there have been a lot of complaints 
on the shipments that have gone from Mexico into Texas uh, due to the Texas government uh, basically trying to check the uh, all the truckloads entering the United States through Texas. And there's a lot of produce. So there's been tens of millions of dollars worth of claims already uh, due to the extremely long wait times. I'm talking about yeah. between 8, 24 hours. Actually, I think uh, earlier in the month, it was even more than that. Um, so it's, it's kind of ridiculous. But I, I wonder, I know that there's no real case study um, done for this, but when there's gov- uh, governmental things that the driver, the carrier, and, uh, you know, even the shipper couldn't foresee, where does that claim lie? Like, So you could use that, that adhesive itself to literally just stick it to the product itself. Um, there's a little hole in the top of the device. So some people, you know, if you're mo- moving product in a crate, they'll actually put a screw through the top of that hole directly into the crate. Um, you know, some people put it in the first layer of shrink wrap. There's a bunch of different ways that, that these are adhered to the shipment. But yeah, it's it's important to note that it does live like on the product itself or even sometimes like on the inside of the trailer wall as opposed to in the cab of the truck. Right, right, right. And look, man, we've, as a dispatch company owner, I've, I've definitely been a part of some truckloads where uh, there were issues with the way that the product arrived to the receiver. Let's talk about some case studies where you were able to identify where in the process the issue actually occurred because to the trailer, you know, but then most broker carrier agreements, as you know, have that clause uh, saying, or even on the rate confirmation saying that the driver must ensure that no damaged goods are loaded so it's kind of like the the driver becomes trapped if even if it was the shipper's fault but do you have any case studies that kind of clear some drivers of some issues or you know just some case studies along that line yeah so absolutely you know and, and first off you're absolutely right that the the claims process can be really messy for everyone involved and a lot of times like you know if you're moving a, a load of worth of, you know, perishable uh, construction equipment or, you know, the the perishable goods goes way far beyond just like food and produce. Um, But if you show up with a a spoiled load, you know, that that costs or is worth 400 grand, a lot of times, even with that required insurance, it's still not going to cover that full amount, right? So, Um, It's really important to be able to understand like who is quote unquote at fault here. Um, But yeah, I mean, one uh, customer for us in particular is a coffee importer, you know, and there, as you can imagine, product is very sensitive to humidity, uh, temperature as well. Um, You know, the, the making sure they're not selling low quality product, you know, so they actually would use our, uh, reports as an audit trail to understand when and exactly where the temperature fluctuations occurred in transit. And they would use that in any claim that they had and saw a huge uh, reduction in, you know, pay payment impact, if you will, on those claims. Did you just say you have a customer that has 
coffee shipments that are worth $400,000. Oh, no, no. Okay, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, no. The the 400 grand was just an example. Okay, I was about to say, man, (laughs) what type of coffee are we talking about? Because Right, right. I I need one cup of tea. Right, right, right. Um, See, we're... We were partial to the bulletproof coffee. Um, my wife was on that for a very, very long time. But uh, you know, now at this point, it's just some. You can give me something from Kroger um, as long as it's, it's tasty. Yeah, yeah, I'm not too picky myself. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, I know that. All right. So that's a that's a humidity case. That's a temperature. Uh, anything when it comes to the shocking the accelerometer. Like, do you have any? Uh, case studies when maybe the driver hit a curb and you know they tried to deny it at one point um, but the accelerometer was like nope at this time this was what was recorded um, you know measuring the shock Um, yeah I mean we've got obviously several customers interested in in the shock events and uh understanding when those happen um you know we do have one electronics manufacturer specifically that is uh and and you know i'm I'm talking to these because these clients have agreed for us to share this information these are public case studies that you can find on our website if you want to go check it out at tive.com um but yeah i mean an, an electric electronics uh, component manufacturer was having a big issue with some of their really um, uh, fragile shipments being damaged in transit. And they're having a heck of a time resolving like where the damage happened. And then they could start to understand root causes of the damage and start to, you know, mitigate that risk and, and delete it all together. Right. It's one thing to, be able to handle the claim successfully, but then once you can really peel back that data and understand the root cause of damage happening and resolve the issue as, as a whole is a big deal. So, um, you know, really, but anybody moving any type of goods that could be damaged while it, uh, in transit due to like a big shock event could see a lot of value from that accelerometer. Definitely, definitely. Okay, cool. And you also mentioned when you were going through, uh, you know, the initial breakdown of Tide, that because this is a set-alone device that goes into the trailer, you don't have to worry about a driver accepting any type of tracking and how that removes whatever dispositions that driver may have um, about that type of situation. Um, I always found that a little weird at this point in trucking, you know, as a, as a dispatch company owner, if a driver had an issue accepting macro point or any of the other low tracking, um, you know, situations, the other platforms, um, like why, why are you having this conversation? Um, how big of a sale is that to your, uh, shippers and, and even the logistics providers at this point? Um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, it's, it's a huge differentiator for the logistics providers to, to use a product like Tive. Um, you know, I think your, your, your products out there, like your project 44s, your four kites, you know, we, we do have integrations into those platforms and and are partnered with them at, at some level. 
Um, but they also provide a lot of gaps in their visibility as well, right? I mean, you know, when you rely on a driver uh, opting in to an app on his phone or her phone uh, to connect, you know, not only that human aspect of it, but the technology as well, just not getting good connections in certain parts of the U.S., certainly not in certain parts of the world. Um, this this just kind of, again, unveils the, the curtain of truth and, and allows you to understand really what's going on with that shipment. Right, right, right. No, I hear Hopefully you. that answered your question. No, no, it does. It does because at the end of the day, I will say that your service offering is unique in the fact that it doesn't require that driver to do anything to uh, get that visibility. And again, I always thought it was crazy that sometimes I had to convince drivers as to why they had to accept tracking. You know, it, it's just a yeah. it's just a part of the situation at this point. Um, so no, that definitely uh, answers the question. It makes me think about this. All right, I know we're talking about perishables and fu- um, food. Um, now, what are some of the other big industries or sections within transportation where you know there are major players that you guys want to get their their business um yeah so you know we've we've really as an organization have identified you know four key ideal customer profiles if you will so obviously we've got food and perishables so meat you know anything like that we've got high value goods We've got logistics providers, so we're partnering a lot with logistics providers that move this type of freight um, that are offering this as a solution to their clients. Again, massive differentiator for them. Um, And then finally, uh, pharmaceuticals and biotechnology. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So high value cargo. Is there there a certain value level that, you know, someone can then consider themselves high value? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of a subjective threshold, right? Uh, High value can have a different meaning for a lot of people. I think for us, you know, a safe bet is $50,000 cargo value, $100,000 cargo value. Um, You know, but at the end of the day, when you look at putting a $50 device on a shipment that could cost... $15,000, right? I mean, we're partnering with a medical device company right now whose average package, you know, just tracking their packages and their average value of those packages is 15 grand, right? And they didn't blink an eye at spending $50 on a device because obviously that outweighs losing or, uh, you know, a $15,000 package. So, um, but for Tive, in terms of our segmentation in that ideal customer profile, we're looking at around a hundred grand, give or take. I would say. Gotcha, man. It, it makes me think about the double brokers and all those folks are getting a lot more sophisticated. You know, so much so that sometimes it's not even about just making the couple thousand dollars uh, on on actually getting the freight transported. Uh, But, you know, there are players who are out there completely changing the delivery location with the intent to strip that trailer and steal that product. Uh, So it kind of makes me think about, um, you know, those type of case studies and, you know, whether or not 
when tracking a carrier or a, a driver that's in transit, if it gets so granular that when they deviate off track, um, that it makes some type of alerts. Do you guys have something like that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's there's a ton of location-based alerts that we can get set up, you know. So obviously route deviation is one of them, and you can kind of establish the threshold that you're looking for in terms of how far off the route that driver is going. Um, you know, there's also some movement-based alerts. So, you know, one of the most popular is if on prolonged stops. So if you've got a straight-through run, you might set that threshold to like two hours. So if the driver stops for more than two hours, you can get a notification. Uh, but you can completely customize that threshold even down to, to minutes. Um, you know, and from there, uh, we've got a ton of like geofence-based alerts. So if, you know, you've identified an area of high risk of theft or damage or whatever the case may be, you can create like a risk zone and receive certain notifications uh, in that actual area as well. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Well, yeah, I appreciate you there. This is all based on a battery. You know, we're, we're talking about a device that is going to be affixed inside of the trailer and it's going to be there to ping the location of the trailer and monitor the uh, temp mean the environment inside of that trailer. Um, so that's talking, we didn't even talk about light just yet. I mean, but you know, just everybody just know that, um, this also will be able to tell you if the trailer doors are open to tell you if light has been detected. Um, but all this is coming from a device that's battery operated. What's the, what's the battery life expectancy for, uh, this piece of equipment? Yeah. So, uh, the battery life is um, driven off of two primary factors. A, how frequent do you want the or really just one, like how frequent do you want the device transmitting data to the platform, right? So for most over-the-road transits, you know, customers are pretty happy with a 30-minute a transmission interval, meaning every 30 minutes – they're going to receive measurements and notifications on that data, right? Um, so at the fastest transmission interval of five minutes, you know, you're going to get around a week of battery life. You bump that all the way up to 12, every 12 hours, you're going to get anywhere from four to five months. So it really just depends on how frequent you want the device transmitting data to the platform. Gotcha. And is there a difference between lithium batteries and non-lithium batteries? Because uh, there is. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there is. I mean, the device, it's so we, we do offer the same device with two different batteries, battery types, right? So a lithium battery and a non-lithium battery. With the lithium battery, you're going to get around... 30% more battery life just due to the composition of the battery itself. Um, you know, with that being said, all those metrics I just gave were for the non-lithium batteries. So, you know, add a few days to a week to those, to those metrics and you should be safe. Gotcha. Okay. And, you know, 
I know that Tide has a Get Green program. Uh, how does that work when it comes to these devices going out on these long transits and, uh, you know, potentially ended up just at a random warehouse? Like what, what is the Tide Get Green program? Yeah, so our uh, it's it's a sustainability initiative of ours where you know we'll actually incentivize the client and even the receiver to send the devices back to Tive to be refurbished and repurposed. Um, you know, so in other words, we'll offer a twenty percent rebate to the customer, and the customer can even elect to share that rebate with the receiver, uh, just to incentivize them to send the devices back to time. Gotcha, 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 man. Well, look, um, I, I did have a couple more questions, right? But, uh, you know, these questions would be more based off of just some of the stuff that we talked about earlier of, you know, just you be you're coming from the the brokerage side of things before you got into freight tech sales and you know the last six months we've heard of so many different brokerages doing these massive layoffs you know i think there are even some more layoffs that were um reported from ch robinson and you know from other places so i I wanted to ask you just from your experience do you think that it's kind of like a nice easy transition from somebody that has been in freight sales to go into freight tech sales? Like, do you think that this is a a viable option for those who have recently lost their opportunities? Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, I would say that, um, you know, freight sales professionals should have a pretty good entry into freight tech. I mean, obviously, they know the industry as a whole. They know the value prop. They understand the challenges that these logistics professionals are facing. Um, so that can be a big advantage for a salesperson going into a freight tech sales job. Um, you know, it's 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 a different type of sale, right? It's it's a consultative sale. Um, typically a lot more complicated of a procurement process to go through the buying committee and the buying process and journey. Um, so while there is a learning curve there, I would absolutely consider it a viable option. Definitely, definitely. Well, I appreciate you there. Um, as far as you, man, anything, anything cool coming up? Anything, any vacations or anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So I, uh, getting married in June uh, on June 6th here. So coming up in a few weeks, my uh, fiance, well, I guess we're getting married in Mexico. Um, So we legally got married last week in the U S. So I guess I can call her my wife now. Um, You know, it's just (laughs) such a crazy process to get married in Mexico. Um, so we did the we did the deed legally here in the states, but you know the real party starts in here in a couple of weeks, and then uh, man, in the process of building a house as well. So gosh, just jumping right into life, my man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, man, uh, huge congratulations to you and your wife. Um, you know, I'm definitely praying for the success and all the the amazing things that comes with you know getting into such a um, 
what's that what's that c word oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, dang it, it just escapes me but it's you know it's something with god it's that c word with god um, no doubt. you know so no uh uh, a covenant there it is there you um go. you know it came to me last second but now that's a beautiful thing man i definitely wanted to say congratulations and again i'm definitely going to be praying for you guys um is there anything that you wanted to say before we closed out uh yeah i mean you know look if y'all are moving i know there's a lot of logistics people that listen to this right so you know if if you have a need for visibility or anything like that, like obviously feel free to hop on the website and fill out a contact form and we'd be more than happy to chat with you. Um, you know, I, I know that it's, it's a tough market out there right now. So having a differentiator for yourself can be, can be big and, and can make a big in, impact for your clients. Um, that's really it, man. Just really happy to be on here and grateful for the opportunity to come up here and chat with you again. It's been a minute. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anytime, my brother, like I said, um, you know, as much as we, uh, you know, discuss freight and just the market, um, I'm definitely here to support everything that you have going on. Um, so thank you again for joining me and allowing me to highlight you and Tithe. Um, so everybody who may be listening in i want to say thank you for the support um tune in on monday of course we're gonna we're still partnering up with freight waves a sonar team uh and we're gonna be talking about the market conditions and in addition there's gonna be a monday session uh, i have you know definitely learned a lot about government contract opportunities um as a part of the bipartisan infrastructure law and I am going to be bringing on a representative from the Georgia Department of Transportation because that just so happens to be one of the um, the, the the avenues, the, the venues, the mediums through which you can access some of the funding that has been uh, you know granted at that federal level. So there are opportunities to work with GDOT to partake in some of these contracts and earn a lot of money. So with everything that's been going on in the transportation industry, you know, there might be a pivot that is available into government contracting. So I am focused on bringing awareness and knowledge and the to do's and maybe the not to do's um, over the next month or so. So tune in on Monday, because that's going to be a session where we're going to be, you know, going in what this person who administers uh, this, this federal funding needs to see. And, you know, I might be able to help you save some time if this is something that you're trying to be a part of, which I would highly recommend that you be a part of. Um, so that's my spill. Um, but again, Cody, brother, I appreciate you and uh, everybody have a blessed one. Thanks, Jory. Thanks, everyone. Anytime, sir.